Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 105. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I am super excited to have my friend Christine Petty joining me on the show. She's a fellow coach and a podcaster, and she hosts the podcast Free Her Spirit, where she explores the important questions of women's spirituality. I always adore chatting with her. We met in coach training. And I especially love our chat in today's episode. Christine shares about how everything in our lives is spiritual when we choose to look at it that way, and about how we can connect with spiritual rituals and practices. And we talk about how our life's work and purpose can be further amplified by saying yes to something that feels both scary and exciting. First, let me say that I am so glad that you are here. I thank you for tuning in this week and always. I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest's website, additional references, and some of my thoughts about the topics we discuss. You can find the notes for this episode at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 105. If you have been thinking of starting a podcast to bring more happiness to your life as it has to mine and Christine's, <laughs> I've compiled many of the answers to the basic questions that I've gotten over the years in my free podcasting fundamentals class. And that includes a cheat sheet that shares my suggestions for microphones, what editing software you might need, where to find intro music, and more. And you can get all of this by visiting the website and clicking on the start a podcast button on the right hand side of the homepage, which is just below my photo. Also, if you are a fan, you can find Jumpstart Your Joy on iTunes and tune in if you are not already a subscriber. To find the show, you just search for Jumpstart Your Joy in one of those two apps and then you click on the cover art where you can see a full listing of all of the episodes. You could listen to episodes within either of those apps, or you can hit subscribe so you can automatically get each new episode delivered as it's released on Tuesdays. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview with Christine Petty. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have my friend Christine Petty on the show. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Christine. Yay. Thank you for having me, Paula. I'm so excited. We're doing our crossover episode. That is right. I had the total joy of being on Christine's show, Free Her Spirit. We will link it up. You got to get the crossover going. (laughs) That was a great conversation. And we, at the end, we were like, okay, you got to come on this show too. Yeah. Well, so why don't you kick it off by telling us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Okay. Well, when I was a kid, I loved to read and I loved make-believe and playing dress up. In fact, I never really grew out of those things. And so a lot of my childhood, what I remember is like looking for, I guess what you could call magic or just something like the hidden thing that was super wonderful somehow. I spent a lot of time daydreaming and 
this is a dorky example, but for example, when we would drive to school, my mom worked as a teacher in the next district. And so I went to school with her. So we had to drive there. I didn't take the bus. And we would drive through a section that was wooded. It was like a highway that went through the woods. And then it came around this big curve and went out into these open fields. And we used to listen to like music in the car on cassette tape, of course. And we had some movie soundtracks. I loved movie soundtracks as a kid because it's really fun to daydream when you're listening to a movie soundtrack. But there was this one song from the movie Dragonheart, if anyone has seen it, it's really old school, but it's the song called To the Stars. And it's this really beautiful song, but like the song starts off really slow and quiet, but then it builds and all of a sudden there's just like this huge, beautiful moment. And we were driving through the woods around this curve. And of course I'm daydreaming in the car. And then like, as we go around this curve into the open fields where the sun is coming up over these fields, it hits that climax in the song where it's just like this huge, wondrous moment. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, this is magical. I was just so excited about it. I mean, could never recreate that moment. I tried every morning after that to listen to the song at the exact right time again, and it never happened. Mm -hmm. And I was super frustrated. But yeah, stuff like that, looking for those just synchronicities that would just kind of pop up and you would just be like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like magical stuff is happening. So <laughs> that's my rambly answer. <laughs> I love it. Because I know I had similar moments as you were telling that story. I had this memory of sitting on the school bus because I went to grade school in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. We don't have school buses in California, but, and I remember just feeling like, hey, my life could be a movie and like what song would go with it right this second? Like it's uh, interesting the way little kids maybe, or maybe it's just us and we're dreamers, but like how do we like see our lives playing out and like thinking of the soundtrack? Do you still get really moved by music? I do like music and it can still be soundtracks or just like anything that, you know, I used as a kid, I was a lot more like really dorky, really emotional. I would get weepy. I don't get weepy as much anymore, but like mm -hmm. I would just have these beautiful tragic dreams, like, you know, those daydreams or whatever and all these romantic things or whatever, something, you know, all the teen angst put into a song. But yeah, no, I, I still like music is still really, really important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's wonderful stuff. So would you like to explain a little bit about what you do now? I mean, I know you and I know you're a life coach and a former teacher. And of course, you have your very awesome podcast, Free Her Spirit. Yeah. Well, actually, why don't I ask you your question? <laughs> what has your spiritual journey been that has brought you to this point in your life? Okay. I knew you were going to ask this. And it's so weird being on the other side of this question. When I ask this to other people, they'll give me different lengths of answers. But like you ask me this question, I'm like, this is my life. This is everything. But I'll try to keep it shorter. So basically, when I was a kid, I was raised in church by my mom, but my dad didn't go to church. And my parents are still married. And so on the one hand, I was getting this evangelical fundamentalist Christian upbringing. And on the other hand, for my dad, it was just like, he was a good dad, but we didn't talk about anything spiritual and he never came to church with us or anything. So I was getting kind of like two worldviews sort of, or at least two perspectives. And then I was always attracted to spiritual things as a kid. I was always drawn to things like the big questions. And I remember reading the Bible after I was supposed to be going to bed, I would like go into my closet with a flashlight so I could read the Bible, which is really dorky. And I should have been reading something like 
you know, a mystery novel or something. For some reason, the words Nancy Drew come to mind, but that was not necessarily my generation, but that's what I was thinking. But yeah, so I was reading the Bible and the church I was raised in was very non-traditional. So it was Christian, but at the same time, like we were in the church that we clapped during the fast songs and we raised our hands to the heavens during the slow songs. So we were still a little bit like on the edges of things. Like people kind of didn't know what to make of us sometimes. And then we didn't have any hymnals or anything. Like we didn't have any traditional things or ritualistic kind of things at all. And so when I started learning about other religions, like I remember my mom watched Fiddler on the Roof with me and Yentl and things like that. And like they're lighting the Sabbath candles and singing these beautiful prayers, which of course were just like songs written for the movies and things. But I was just, oh, that's so cool. And I got candlesticks out and I got a shawl and I put it over my head. And I was like, mom, can you light these for me? Because I couldn't light candles at the time. You know, and I was trying to recreate that interesting new way of doing things that I had just seen. I was attracted to Catholicism. You know, they had rosaries and confession and saints and prayers and all these things. And I was just like, what is this? And then, so I kind of explored everything I could possibly explore within Christianity. I went to like almost every different kind of denomination that there was, just visiting with friends or like going to their youth groups. And then when I went to college, that's when like my worldview kind of expanded outside of Christianity. It was the first time I was exposed to other religions and other people who thought differently than me. And I also went through some things. I think a lot of people go through a lot of things in their early 20s. That's kind of a theme where you get your heart broken or things don't turn out the way you thought they would. You go through some kind of period in your life where you kind of have to, I'm trying to think about how to phrase it, but like you're becoming your own person outside of the identity that you've had for such a long time within your family and the place where you grew up. And so that was happening to me. And at the same time, it kind of really shook me because everything that I had thought I had known and believed in kind of got called into question. And so I basically started this new journey. It took about 10 years to really become comfortable with it and become okay with talking about it because I decided to kind of move away from the church that I had been brought up in and to not associate with certain things anymore a lot of the people that I was friends with, people that had raised me, you know, they were still a part of it. And so it was like, I kind of went into myself a lot because I was going through so many changes in my beliefs, but I didn't really know who to talk to about it. I studied Judaism for several years and I thought about converting, but I just never felt like I was really supposed to do that. I just kept searching. And then eventually, you know, now I've come through a lot of those things. And right now, basically my I would describe my spirituality as everyone is on their own path and I'm on my own path. And all I want to do is be my true self and not hide that. And I want that for other people as well. So whether a person is religious or just spiritual or even agnostic or atheist or whatever it is, no matter what background they come from, I just see it as like, that's your story. That's your truth. And I'm open to listening to it and I'm open to hearing about it and hopefully also learning something from every person that I meet or get to have these conversations with. So that's like the cliff notes version. I could riff on this for a long time, but I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> yeah. Mm, and I see there's such, what, there's such a dovetail there with what you do with your podcast. I mean, it feels like you know, it's such 
a lovely piece of art that you're putting out there. What more like soul work that you're putting out there and telling these stories, both with your own lens, obviously. You set the stage so beautifully for others to open up and share what is authentically them. What is your show meant to you? First, well, thank you for saying those lovely things. I appreciate it. The thing that I love, about, I, I always say, like, I love my job. Like, there are so many times when I get finished with an interview and we hang up on the call and then I'm just, like, so full of this, like, buzzing energy of excitement and I'm just like, I love my job. And I'm not even getting paid for the podcast or anything. It's just that I feel like it's part of what I need to be doing in the world. And so essentially, it's like, I want to talk to people to really get to know who they are and what they're about through the lens of spirituality. Because on my show, what I always say is that everything and anything is spiritual if you're looking at it through a spiritual lens. So I mean, whether you run a business or parenting or relationships or your health and your body and your relationship to food or anything like that. Anything can be looked at through a spiritual lens. So basically, I just find people that I think are really interesting and have something to say. And I invite them to the show to say whatever it is that is on their heart to say. And we do talk about their spiritual past just to kind of get an idea of where they come from. But really, it's about what are they doing now and where are they now and what can we learn from them in this moment? I've learned something from every single person that I've interviewed. And it's not one of those where I can say, oh, well, when I talked to so-and-so, I learned this lesson. And then at the end of this episode, you know, the moral of the story was this, but it is kind of, I've never thought of it the way you put it, like as a piece of art, but it is, it's like, I don't know what it's going to look like yet when it's finished. I hope to do it for a long time, but it's one of those where it's the deep conversations that you get to have sometimes in your life, like whether it was in college, staying up late with your roommates or whatever it was, like those mm. deep conversations where you start talking about the things that really matter. And I get to have those conversations on purpose with the people that I admire. And so like for me, it's like I said, it's the best job ever. I love my job. So that's kind of where I, how I would explain it to people. <laughs> I love what you just said about those deep conversations. Like, cause there's something so appealing about those moments. And I, I mean, I'm remembering them from college, but also like phone calls with friends that went like late into the night or whatever they were. And that those little, I mean, I'll say they're intimate because I think people are sharing a bit of themselves and their soul. I mean, on this show and on your show where you're really asking them and inviting them to go deep and talk about what matters. And there's something so lovely that happens then when we all can share those things about ourselves. And it's something special because I don't think we really get to do this that often. I know I phrased a question over kind of like, how is this different than kind of some of the, I'll call it fast food Facebook kind of like short snippets of people's lives. And I feel like this format is so different because it's long form and you get to know people. I think we're similar in some ways here. I don't know if that speaks to you. Yeah, it really does. One of the things that I kind of, I don't want to say mourn because that sounds really dark, (laughs) but just like I feel is missing, I think is that connection. I mean, technically I am a millennial. I was born in 86. So I fit into the category, but at the same time, my dad didn't let us have the internet until I went to college. So the formative years of my life were not attached to a screen. And I see like when we got to eat or something and like, I look around a restaurant and you were talking about like what we see from other people's lives and we're on Facebook and things like that. But at the same time, like there's also the disconnection between people who are sitting right next to each other mm-hmm. and neither one of them are talking or paying attention. You know, I remember one time very vividly, we were at a restaurant 
and there was a man and a woman and they looked like they were probably married. I'm not sure. They were older. So it's not just a millennial generation thing. It's like it's at this point, it's pretty much everyone. But they were sitting at the restaurant and the man was looking down at his phone and he kept scrolling through whatever feed he was scrolling through. And the woman was just sitting there. And then eventually she just took out her phone and started scrolling through her feeds. It broke my heart, you know, just sitting there watching them thinking like there's a person in front of you. There's a living person in front of you. And if they were married, like you chose to be with this person. Mm-hmm. So like put the phone away. Like I have a, for the most part, I try to stay off of screens when we're eating or at restaurants and things like that. But it's just a, such a pervasive thing, but I don't think it's helping us really. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely some benefit to it. And I can't say that I'm like totally Facebook screen free or anything else like that, because I've kind of fell into that pit as well, you know, but at the same time, I'm very, very aware that it's kind of eroding our actual true connections. And so I do like the long form of a podcast just because I get to have these amazing deep conversations that feed my soul. Like they actually, I feel nourished by them in a way that even just reading an article or a blog post online can't even fill that space or mm-hmm. just liking someone's status or commenting on something or even sending a message back and forth or something. It doesn't fill that space the way a conversation fills that space. I think there's definitely something to it. I think there's definitely something about taking the time to have a conversation and not just look at the digital version of a person to actually look at the person, even though, for example, like on the podcast, I can't see them, but I can see them more than just the way you present yourself online. If I'm talking to you, does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think there's something, I mean, since we both have a coaching background and training, I mean, I think what you're talking about there a little bit is the holding of space, which what we don't do on Facebook, right? It's, literally is as fast as you can kind of scrolling through and liking things and then being done. But there's nothing, I mean, there's ways to hold space, I'm sure. But most of what we do, I think, in a digital format is too fast to be holding space. And it's just a quick reminder of someone. It's not being in the moment with them. And I think that's what's missing for me is that deeper connection. And I do love what you've said about the couple at the dinner table. I mean, at our house, we make a good attempt. It's not every night, but no phones and we all have dinner together. And that's important because I want for my son, kind of what you're describing growing up, that it's not necessarily a generational thing, but that he understands and has had conversations that where people are there for him and that he knows he belongs and he matters and we are paying attention to each other. Yeah. Um, And that's great that you do that too, because it's really important in my family growing up, Of course, this was before, I mean, I grew up, I feel very lucky to have grown up before smartphones and before everything kind of took over and not having the internet and things like that. But like in my family, we always ate dinner together and it was just me and my parents because I was an only child, but we would always eat together unless my dad was working late. But then even when he got home, like if my mom and I had already eaten, if he got home at like nine o'clock at night or sometimes 10 o'clock at night, depending on how late he was out. We would have dinner ready for him so that he could eat and because he was probably starving by that time. And then we would sit with him while he was eating. Like we would sit with him while he was eating and ask him about his day and tell him about our day. So it was always like, no matter what else is going on, we're going to stop and have this connection with each other. So yeah, I think it's definitely something that's missing and something that you have to be intentional about. Like you have to put a firm boundary in place and say, this is more important. So yeah, and it's a choice. 
at crossroads of us all probably more now than ever having to be mindful and intentional about making space and holding space for things that are so important. So if that's the conversations with your family, making that space and having conversations, real conversations with people. And I sense that there's kind of that, (laughs) we can kind of move over into the space of like, I think it also totally applies to spirituality and joy because if we aren't intentionally making time for both of those things or one of them, depending on, you know, what your pleasure is. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit about how do you set aside time in your day for the sacred or the spiritual? How does that look for you? I wish I could give you like a really good Instagram answer that you could like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I am a spiritual person and I do incorporate it into what I do, but it's like, so many times, like I follow different people on Instagram and like they're posting all these pictures of all these things that they're doing. And I'm like, Oh, they're so cool. I wish I was like them. I feel like that's another (laughs) total topic that we could talk about, like the Instagram slash Pinterest version of our lives. But yeah, it's mostly what it actually looks like for me is taking time to acknowledge the presence in my life that I feel is guiding me. Like I have an altar space that I have set up where I just have like some candles and things like that. And I put different objects on it that mean things to me. Sometimes I have incense or things like that, that I can burn. And I just go every morning and I just sit there for a few moments and kind of honor that space. Mm -hmm. And I read different books and things like that pretty regularly. And I get to have these kind of conversations pretty regularly. I've done different things in the past. I had what I believe is called a chotki. I could be totally butchering it. I made one in college. It's actually an Eastern Orthodox prayer rope. Similar to a rosary, I read about it in a book and it was interesting. It was a book about, I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. It was a book about bringing back these moments of connection and connection with God and with ourselves and with like the tangible ways of practicing faith that were kind of missing in youth groups and things like that. So like, for example, growing up in the youth group, you would sing some songs and then you would have a pizza party. Or there would be some kind of a game or some kind of like a competition or something to get everybody all really excited about things. And then there would be a sermon and then there would be an altar call at my particular church. And then afterwards, everybody's like hanging out or going out to eat together or things like that. It was kind of like a show sort of. And I always felt like there was something missing. And so this book was talking about bringing in these tangible, sacred things into the practice of Christianity again. Things like Mm -hmm. a labyrinth or the prayer beads or... Uh, what is it? I think it's called Lectio Divina. Did I say that right? Lectio Divina. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. So like having these things. So like I said, I grew up with a church that was very non-traditional and didn't have any of those things. So I've mm-hmm. always been drawn to those more tangible ways of connecting to things. So I had a chat key for a while that I made a prayer rope that I would just like pray different prayers when I got to the large beads or I would recite different scriptures and things like that. Mala beads kind of serve the same purpose for some people. It kind of depends on what tradition you feel the most comfortable with. But I would say that like having sacred objects, and here's the thing about sacred, the word sacred, it is what you make it. So for example, some people just have mala beads and it's more like a decoration. And then some people have mala beads and it's part of their spiritual practice. So Mm -hmm. the beads themselves are not sacred. How you treat them is what makes them sacred, how you use them. 
So whether it's a candle or beads or a book or a relationship or anything in your life, if you want it to be sacred, you make it that way. You make it so. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just, it depends on what you feel the most comfortable with. I like having sacred objects and I like having little rituals to kind of touch on throughout the day or at different times of the month or the year. Mm -hmm. I think those are really helpful. So yeah, that's my answer. I'm not sure if I fully answered the question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well, and what I love, there's two things that stand out for me in what you're talking about. And one is really taking the time to make your own spirituality yours. I think, I mean, that's definitely like a through line of my own spiritual journey, which of course, if you want to hear more about it, it's over on your show. But the shorthand version is, you know, kind of a mix of Mormonism and Episcopalian as parents and then being baptized Lutheran and then like you loving the Old Testament and Judaism for a while, learning biblical Hebrew and then, you know, really kind of falling in love in a whole different way with the New Testament long after really getting to know the Old Testament. But then kind of as a Lutheran, like the pieces that you were talking about, like of the rosary beads, Alexio Divina and labyrinth so many of those things are kind of like catholic which is so interesting and i've found that i love them too but i love that you're embracing the things that fit and then incorporating them for you Mm -hmm. i think it's so what it honors what you need and Mm -hmm. honors who you are and what speaks to you which i think a lot of people i don't know there's an interesting territory here for sure a lot of people were brought up in you know either in a church or in a maybe not a culture, but in a way that was like, here's the rules and this is how it has to be. And and so much of, I mean, I can only really speak of Christianity, but is that like, there's a lot of fear baked in sometimes of, it's not so much the loving God, but the fearful God that will come down you know, and, yeah. and rain terror on you or whatever, if you don't do the right thing. And I don't know, there's probably something there to talk about of like, how do you make these things your own? And how do you pay special attention to things? Especially if your background may have been one of those that was a little more fearful. Like the fear mentality sort of, or like how to make things your own. I think that's interesting because like, for example, so I grew up without any kind of that structure, that ritual or traditional structure. And I've always been drawn to those things. And so for me, being drawn to those things, I don't know if it's true for everyone that you're like drawn to what you didn't have. So like for me, those are really interesting things to explore But at the same time, you know, other people who were brought up with like going to confession, for example, or a very strict way of looking at things or just a very rote traditional kind of service or things like that, for them, it may not have as much meaning or just at a certain, like, I know some people who I have friends who were born Catholic and are still Catholic and it means a lot to them. So it kind of just depends on where you're at. But as far as the fear thing, the interesting thing for me was that I was always raised with the idea of a loving God. But when I decided to distance myself from the faith and the practices that I had been raised with, my fear actually came from what are these people that I love going to think? Mm. So for me, I didn't feel like I was going against God. I didn't feel like I was being led astray or anything like that. But I was worried that other people would see it that way and that they would either judge me or ostracize me or pray for me like, oh, let's pray for Christine because she is a backslider and all these other things. At some point, because if you are a spiritually inclined person, and this is something, like I said, it took me 10 years to get to the place where I could talk about these things. I think that at some point you have to get to the place where you feel like 
you love yourself and you love your truth and you need to follow that more than you need someone else's approval, which is really hard. It's a very, very difficult thing. And it takes a long time, especially if it's people that you care about who are not going to agree with you. It can be a very hard thing. And so it's not something that you can just turn on and off. Right. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And this is like, yeah, you love yourself and you love your truths more than you need someone else's approval. That's so big. And yet so like so much of a critical turning point, I think in so many different spaces, right? Like I think obviously in a spiritual journey, but just even in being your own person in the world, Mm -hmm. like how do you get to that point where you ditch the concern? I mean, it's still okay to be aware of what other people think of you or whatever, but ditch the concern or ditch the, what? The need maybe to modify your own behavior based on someone else's Mm -hmm. approval. I don't know. What did that look like? For you, do you have any? Yeah, it's interesting because when you said that, one? <laughs> yeah, whenever you said that, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of even for me. So, for one thing, I am introverted. And so, it's talking and being open about myself is mm, yeah. people outside of like a very close circle is not something I'm usually comfortable with. But for me, a couple of things happened. One is I went through. Facebook, bringing it back to Facebook, I went through Mm -hmm. Facebook and I actually unfriended a lot of people, not because I hated them or I was just like, for whatever other reasons that people might unfriend someone. It was just because I realized I had been censoring my content that I was posting Mm -hmm. because I was worried about who was going to see it. And so for some people, that might be something that you have to do. Like it might be, I've heard of people, you know, creating separate Instagram accounts so that they could express themselves without their family being a follower and knowing these things about them. So you kind of, you have to have some kind of, I guess I would call it sacred space or just a space where you feel safe in order to declare yourself for who you really are. And on the other side of that, you know, I wish all these people well, it's just that I was just like, do I really care what this person that I went to youth group with that like we were in high school together And like, do I really, like, why am I censoring myself for what she's going to think of me? Like, I never even went to a birthday party with her. Like, (laughs) yeah, this is not a super important figure in my life, but I'm holding myself back and keeping myself small because I want her to think that I'm okay or nice or whatever. So that had to stop. And the second thing is, is that once I kind of had created that boundary for myself, actually, I would say that starting the Free Her Spirit podcast was a major step forward for me because... Suddenly, like I have a weekly show where I'm talking about what I believe, but I'm also talking to a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different practices about what they believe. And I'm not there to argue with them or correct them. Like I genuinely think that they're right in some way, on some level. And like, even if I don't totally agree with them, their truth is their truth. And that's their, I'm giving them that space. And I always see it as like, I'm expanding my own understanding. So it's doing that and publishing it. I know that I have people from my family who listen to my podcast. I don't know if they still listen or not, but like I know that I have had and will continue to have people on the show that they don't agree with and that they probably don't like that I'm doing it. But I also knew when I started it, like that this was what I needed to do and that this was something really important for me. And so I just did it anyway. And I don't regret it at all. Like every person that I've had on the show, every conversation I've had, 
I feel like has been a very beautiful and very much needed conversation. And I've heard from people that it's helped them and I hope it continues to help people. But it's one of those where if I had kept myself small because I didn't want to, you know, be judged by people that this never would have happened, you know, but at the same time, like I said, it takes a lot of practice. And I think you have to put in the voices that are criticizing you. It could be people that you know, that you just have these, you know, imaginary conversations in your head where they're angry with you. They're going to be louder until you get louder. (laughs) Yes. So you have to turn your volume up. And if you don't know what your voice is, if you don't know what your truth is, but you know it doesn't match up with theirs, then you need to start turning up the volume on other things that can help you to start to filter out what that is so that you can recognize when something is something that belongs to you or when it's something that belongs to them. Also with the understanding that a lot of times when you're having these angry conversations in your head and the person hates you, that's just a conversation in your head. It does not mean that person in real life, should you open up to them and have a conversation, would hate you or talk about you behind your back afterwards or anything else like that. But I can still understand at the same time, like needing to have a boundary and a safe place to where if you feel like that's a possibility, you don't have to worry about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. The piece that weaves through that is, I mean, as we started with that was that you love yourself and you love your truths. And I get the sense. And I mean, also having from having my own show where sometimes there is an episode, there's been a couple of them where, I mean, I stand behind every one of them, but maybe the topic for some reason was harder for me, even just as the host, than it was probably for anybody else. And there've been times when, yeah, I had to tell myself, no, this is all right. And I think it's dancing that space of maybe I was worried about what someone else might think of the discussion or It was something that maybe I hadn't completely lived through for myself and I wasn't done with in some way. And I feel like that's sometimes when the noise gets louder of like, you know, that's when the fears come up that, oh, you're going to be judged or people, so-and-so won't like you if, or whatever it is. And I think that's really interesting that then kind of in my own way, I had to go back to what was sacred and what was safe for me Mm -hmm. and then tell myself, hey, I'm going to be okay. When I hit publish, somebody needs to hear this. And I'm learning from it as well. I'm going to learn that I'm going to be safer, you know, like I'm going to learn what feels right. And I'm going to learn that like, it was important to put this message out into the world, whatever it was. It's interesting that you also cite kind of the podcast being part of the journey that changes you. Because yeah, (laughs) it's been interesting to see what comes up for me and then how I treat myself and how I honor my own process when it does. Yeah. Well, there's so much, you know, like I always say that podcasting is one of my spiritual practices because Mm -hmm. like you have to do so much work and so much soul searching because you're putting something out there. I think it's probably true no matter what kind of thing you're creating. If you're creating something, whether it's through writing or through art or through music or anything where you're creating something that you believe in, but that you know not everyone's going to agree with or not everyone's going to like or appreciate you really have to do the work. Like you really have to figure out who you are and what you want to do. And the thing is, I think a lot of people get caught up with having to figure all of that out before they do the thing Mm, and before they create it. So like, I have to know everything about who I am and what I stand for so that I can know what that looks like. And then I can make the thing. And that's actually the total opposite of what 
really works. And what really works is you say, I want to do this thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to make it up as I go along. Because when you're making it and when you're putting it out there, that's when it becomes clearer. That's when you figure yourself out and it doesn't stop. Like there's no finish line. It's like your purpose in life is not just this one thing or this one event or this one thing that you create. It's how you live your life. And through the act of creating, that's how you figure it out. That's how you live your purpose. If that makes sense. Totally does. Yes. Ooh, I love what you just said. Like there's so much goodness in that. And kind of calling into question, I was thinking if you weren't going to turn the corner on that comment about like that, it's not even true. I was going to give you the old Byron Katie of, is that true? Because <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I love that. That's the nugget. And I think it's so strange because I think all of us do feel like, Hey, I've got to get it figured out before there's some little thing about it that we feel like we have to have figured out. And until you just take the jump, you won't even know. Cause it might be that it's true, but it might be that, well, what you actually needed was something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the kind of person that if you just said, Hey, for the rest of your life, just learn things and like research and plan everything. I would be like, okay, let's do that. And I would just totally live my life, you know, behind the scenes thinking about my life. That's one of the biggest things that I struggle with that I have to like remind myself It's through the action that you become and that you live the life that you want to live. So Yeah, it's frustrating that that's the case. But if you think you can do it another way, I'd be interested to hear it because I don't think that it works any other way. (laughs) Uh, That's so good. It's through the action that you grow and live the life that you're meant to live. I mean, like, oh, that's such goodness. I need to get that tattooed on my (laughs) arm where I can see it or maybe like backwards on my face. So when I look in the mirror, I read it every time. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because it's like a great sound bite, but I'm going to forget and I'm going to like isolate and go into my little cocoon of research and Google. So yeah, it's definitely something that needs to be reiterated over and over and over again. It's not, I'm not saying any of this stuff because I live it every day. I'm saying it because I need to hear myself say it every day. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. And it's so easy to get lulled into that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, just, yeah, going to. Just do this research or one more. I just need to know one more thing. I need need to take one more class. I need to read one more book. Do all those things while you're doing the thing. Like Mm -hmm. still take classes, still read the books, still do all the stuff while you're actually doing the thing. That's, I think, the key. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Well, I can't believe we've hit that time. But if someone is interested in working with you, where can they find you and where can they find your amazing podcast and all that? Yeah. Well, the podcast is on iTunes and the website is also freeherspirit.com. And on Instagram, I'm on Instagram as freeherspirit. So if anybody wants to connect with me there or ask questions or say hi or something, like please come find me. It'd be awesome. And I actually, okay, so this is kind of funny. Going back to Facebook, I started a Facebook group for listeners of the Free Her Spirit podcast. So if anyone would like to join the group, it just go to the search bar on Facebook and type in Free Her Spirit. I just started it, so it's fairly new, but we're starting to get the ball rolling with it. And the thing is, is that with as many things that are going on on Facebook right now that are such a headache for so many people, I am trying to create a space where there is a sense of community and there is a sense of that safe space to explore spirituality, however that shows up for you. 
So if that's something that interests any of your listeners, you know, definitely check it out and check out the podcast and all those things, because I would love to get to know everyone and share on that journey. So. Awesome. I will link that up in the show notes too, if you guys didn't catch that. And let's get to our last two questions. Huh? First being, where have you seen resistance come up in your life and how have you overcome it? Well, I, for me, resistance often comes up when I'm isolated. So having connections, having these conversations, all those different things, those are the things that keep me motivated to keep going. But like if I get isolated, if I kind of get in my own head, what I call my spiral, that's when I start to feel resistance and I clam up and I don't want to do anything. And I just kind of feel like nothing I do is worth anything. So I'm just going to do nothing. And so, yeah, isolation is not healthy for me. It's something I have to like consciously be aware of all the time and make sure that I'm, you know, I need alone time as an introvert. I need a lot of alone time, but I also need the connection. So I would say that connection. And then also, like we said, just a couple of minutes ago with the action, like taking action and not just thinking and feeling all the feelings and researching and stuff like that. So it's interesting too, how introverts and extroverts need such very different things. But I think connection and action is probably applicable to both because I can get stuck in that isolation. Nothing's working. I feel frustrated thing too. So yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Okay. And last, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? That's a fun question. Things that bring me joy that other people might find useful. Write a letter to someone that you haven't seen in a while or just someone who lives far away. I love getting actual mail that's not a bill or not a advertisement or a request for funding. So yeah, like write a letter, like actually sit down. I'm a nerd about it. I have like a wax seal and you know, all that stuff, but I, which I don't use every time, but you know, write someone a letter. It could be a long letter. It could be an encouraging note. That's definitely one way. I think everyone kind of cheers up when they get mail, put down your cell phone and talk to people. Or just look around you and kind of notice something I try to do is if I'm waiting for something, like if I go to order some food, like I go to Smoothie King and I place an order and I have to wait for the smoothie to get made, I will try to sit there and I don't take out my phone, which is weird because that's the go-to thing. But I just kind of like, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to put this, my attention into a screen. I'm going to put my attention in what's around me, what's happening. It's interesting, but definitely. When you're talking to someone, when you're talking to anyone, really, my dogs come up and want to be petted. And like, if I'm on the computer, I will move the computer off of my lap or away from me. And I will like bend over and like pet their ears and look into their eyes and say, I love you. And like, give them that attention until they're done and they're ready to go away and they go do whatever they're going to do. And then I get back on the computer. Like something about that connection is really, really important. I'm trying to think of a third thing. I would say find whatever makes you really, really connected to yourself, brings you joy for yourself and try to up that in your life, try to bring a little bit more of that into your life. I mean, that's going to be different for everybody. So, but I just, you know, whatever that weird thing is, whether you like listening to movie soundtracks while you try to catch a sunrise or, you know, reading books or anything else like that, like try to do more of that thing that brings you joy. Those are my three Mm -hmm. answers. I think. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. 
Thank you so much, Christine, for being on the show and for sharing all of your thoughts. Thank you, Paula. This has been really fun. It's interesting to be on the other side of the interview process, but like once again, it's felt like one of those amazing conversations that I'm so happy to have gotten to take part in. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. Christine, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I am so honored to have had you join me here and just really cherish this discussion. I'm also super excited that I get to see Christine today, even though we live halfway across the country from each other. So I can't wait to get that hug. (laughs) If you would like to learn more about Christine and her work, you can find her at her website, which is freeherspirit.com. And as always, there are more links and information and show notes over at my site, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 105. And while you're there, of course, if you're considering starting a show after that keen discussion we had about how podcasting has changed our lives, you can get the free information on the site about how to start a podcast that's over at Jumpstart Your Joy. I invite you to sign up there and you'll get that cheat sheet that I mentioned before. Next week on the podcast, I am super excited to have Brianna and Dr. Peter Borton of The Dragon Tree coming back on the show to talk about a new book that they've released, which is titled Rituals for Transformation. Brianna and Dr. Peter Borton were on the show in season two. And so this is a brand new discussion. I'm super excited. They were one of the top 10 downloads from last season. So it's just a treat to get to have them come on back. And I just know it's an awesome follow-up to this discussion that we've just had with Christine, because we're going to be talking about the rituals that support finding your way to sweetness, structure, space, and more joy in your life. So I hope you'll come on back for that discussion next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. 